Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, welcome to State of the U Podcast. We are on episode 15. We took a month off, but we're back. I'm joined by two guests today, Daniel Tumbley, who's one of our recruiting analysts at State of the U, and Josh Kaufman, who's one of our college basketball analysts at State of the U. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good, Jay. We're doing, I'm doing good. Great to have you guys on. Uh, today we're going to cover a couple of different topics. Um, you know, Miami basketball's been in the news. They picked up a new player, six foot seven transfer from Niagara and Joe Thomas. We're going to talk about him and the roster as a whole. Uh, it's been a big week for Miami recruiting. They picked up two more uh, Ripple commits on the 4th of July. So I'm going to bring Daniel in to talk about some of that, and then we're going to get to some Miami Heat. Let's start out with basketball, though. Josh, Joe Thomas. Uh, this is a guy that only averaged four points and three rebounds a game at Niagara. How, how excited should Keane fans be? Well, uh, I mean, you, you're going to look at the stat, the stat sheet, and you're not going to be overwhelmed or very excited. But um, one of the problems Miami had last year was the front court depth. They had none. So, you know, a guy like uh, Rafael Acquajori, who was really raw, was forced into significant minutes. Um, I look at this as just another body, so if somebody gets into foul trouble, they don't have to put an undersized player at at a forward slot. And, you know, maybe in a different system, this guy might be a little more of a contributor, but I just think he's a, a solid way to fill out the roster and make it a little more balanced, at least for this season. Right, and then next year they have um, the kid Murphy from Oklahoma State coming in, um, well, two years eligible, and he's a little bit more of a polished post player, so... I mean, right. all you're going to lose is next year. Yeah, right. and, and the, what's interesting is, you know, we've been following this team for for a long time, and and during the hate years, the, the roster was never balanced, uh, ever. You know, and it was it was probably a, a tough task for Laranaga to, to balance the roster. You know, they tried so much this offseason, from the red guy to a few other guys, and and just couldn't land any of them. Last year with Demetrius Henry, who looked like he was going to come here and hopefully balance out the roster, and that didn't happen. So we've had a lot of heartbreak in the recruiting area. But the roster is, you know, Jay, we've talked about this. You look at the roster now, and you, you can't help but you get uh, get excited because they've got depth at just about every position. Sure, some of it's like incoming, you know, freshman or transfers, and you, you never know. But just the eye test, it looks a lot better than last year. And, you know, you got other stuff like Burnett coming back from injury. So, Pretty exciting to be a Canes basketball fan these days. It's interesting. I talked to our uh, our basketball consigliere, Josh Frank, uh, on Facebook today, and uh, the guy that he's raving about is Yvonne Cruz Uceda. Um He's saying, you know, Uceda needs to get stronger than what he was at Juco, but he's a six foot ten, two hundred forty guy that's really skilled, uh, that can shoot threes at a forty five percent clip, albeit in Juco you know, that can uh, play with his back to the basket and is also a good passer. Um, so, you know, uh, getting back to Thomas for a second, he might not even see that many minutes this year if Cruz Uceda can handle, you know, the rebounding and defensive aspect of, of playing for a major Division One program and, you know, the ACC. You, you're not yeah, or, even, that or even Sherman. But, you, you, you know, I know we're going to go with, like, four guards sometimes, uh, probably quite often and, and all that. I mean, depending on... Cruz Uceda, and even even the other freshman, Omar Sherman, um, who, you know, is an unknown factor. He could be, you know, a contributor in some level. So, I mean, you know, but there are going to be those games where... Yeah, there are going to be those games where there's a big team that we're playing, and, you know, some guys get into foul trouble, maybe Jakiri, maybe even uh, Cruz Uceda, and and someone like Joe Thomas is going to end up playing big minutes at some point in the season. Maybe not big minutes in terms of time, but in terms of quality in certain games. It's probably going to happen. You know, right. the times last year when they were thrust and they had to put Ospajori in to play significant minutes. So, you know, that happened a few times during the year. Well, Sherman's another guy we talked about, and he's listed at 6'8", 220. So he's another guy that is going to need a year in the program to get a little bigger, at least in his upper body. Uh, he's got good height, but 6'8", 220, he needs to get a little bigger, a little stronger, so... Um, yeah, I've read so that. I've read that he's been working about uh, working on that. Um, yeah, that that he's been working on that in the off season to get more athletic and 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 gain strength. So you know, hopefully, hopefully, it translates the next season. 
And Daniel, stick with us here. I, I just want to ask Josh one more question uh, before um, we, well, we get to you. Yeah, actually, if you don't uh, mind, have, if I, have, if I ask, AJ, they have Sherman listed at six nine two fifty now. I think he's a big dude. I think he's listed at six eight two twenty officially. I, I'm sorry, Daniel. You were saying something. Go ahead. Yeah, um, I just wanted to know, like, what do you guys think? What, what, what kind of expectations um, can a, a Miami fan have um, regarding the basketball team this year? I mean, I mean it's a all these people are going to do better, but it, it's a tournament year, team. I think. I, I agree all with right. Josh, Daniel. If you don't follow them that closely, first of all, uh, they have a second team All Big Twelve player in Angel Rodriguez, who is also an All Defensive player, uh, who transferred from Kansas State, is going to be eligible. Mm-hmm. You've got Sheldon McClellan, who two years, two years ago led Texas in scoring, also eligible. Uh, in, on top of that, you have, you know, arguably a top 25 class headed by a guy named Jaquan Newton out of Philadelphia, who's kind of like a combo guard. Um, there, there, there's a serious influx of talent. Last year's team was a very, very mediocre to below average team talent-wise that overachieved just to play 500 ball. This year you're looking at maybe like a top five or top six worse than the ACC tournament-type team. They're, they're they're really loaded. So if you haven't been following closely, you know, at, at, at what they've been putting together, what Coach Ellis brought in in transfers and freshmen, they're they're loaded this year. Yeah, there's so, a guy, a small forward, will be a sophomore named Devon Reed, who just looks like at any moment he could turn into like a star. You just don't know when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen, to be honest. You know, you see flashes where that guy looks like, he can handle the ball. You know, we in this, you know oh. who we haven't mentioned in this conversation? Dalvin Cook, the Florida State running back's big brother, DeAndre Burnett. Oh, DeAndre um, Burnett, who, right. Yeah, last season he broke his wrist just before the season started, and he was projected to be mm-hmm. Miami's top scorer last season, like even scoring more than what Ryan Brown put together. So, yeah, DeAndre Burnett in the mix. You know, Andrew Rodriguez, yeah, I mean, Sheldon McClellan. I mean, you have, like, 60 points that either transferred in or were hurt last year, potentially. You know, I mean, looking at the whole roster. I mean, it's it's, it's a lot of scoring coming in. Yeah, it's a lot of scoring. They're, the one question mark maybe is their front court depth. Um, you I, know, the Tanya Jakiri is his third year in the program. He's yet to distinguish himself as a big-time player. There's been slow progression with him. Uh, Cruz Yuseta is a guy we talked about. He's kind of like... A combination, a poor man's combination of the two Gasol brothers, um, as far as his skill set. So, you got him. Uh, Omar Sherman, the freshman, you know, we don't know what we're going to get yet, but he was a top 100 player out of Texas. And then, you know, last week they got Joe Thomas, who was kind of a just a contributor at Niagara, but is a big body nonetheless. So, yeah, you know, it's it's, always, it's, you, you never know. Like, before before Larinaga had Gamble on his roster, Gam- we would have looked at Gamble as a Joe Thomas, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, you know, you never know how a guy fits into a system, what a coach can tap into him with, and and I don't know if you've been following, but we have a coach that is on par with any in the country. I mean, this guy, what he did with the team last year, all their faults to make them competitive against some of the country's best teams at times was was like mind boggling. I mean, I don't yeah, know I don't, about you guys, but um, I don't know about you guys, but last season when I watched the games, I felt like we had somewhat of a trouble when it comes to scoring or having that oh, yeah. person to rely on. Yeah, and yeah the guy got hurt from, before the season started. Or the, exactly, the, and reading from uh, Jerry's article regarding who's going to be the alpha dog for Hurricanes basketball, um, I think a prime candidate, you just mentioned him, DeAndre Burnett. I mean, like you said, he averaged at one point in high school 35 points per game. So, I mean, this guy, he, he can – he can get it in the basket, you know, he can get buckets. There's no way around that. I mean, he can shoot threes, he can do, he can hit the mid-range, he can do layups. I mean, he can he has a whole full game on the offensive side. And you, you already know that his own defense for Larinaga, whatever he decides to, or chooses to run, their defense is usually pretty solid at Miami since Larinaga has been there. So, Absolutely. I mean, offensively, I feel like this is what Hurricane fans should really focus on this coming season, see who can really step up. Yeah, and I yeah, mean, right. getting to the article I wrote, I, I never did ask, who, who did you guys vote for among who you thought the alpha dog would be? I'm assuming, Daniel, you went with uh, Burnett? Um, well, just for pure talent, I'm going to go with Burnett, but when it comes to experience, if, you, if, if you're more of an experienced kind of person than, you know, who's, who's already performed at the college level, you're probably going to have to go with um, Angel Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. And And... and you know, um, previous podcasts, we were fortunate enough to have Donovan Kirk, 
and uh, Justin Heller, two former UM players um, on the squad, and, and they gave us a little inside information about what, what went on last year in practice. So they said Angel Rodriguez is already the vocal leader of the team. But when we, the interesting thing, we're all, we're talking about Burnett. The guy that they raved about in terms of pure talent was the transfer from Texas, Sheldon McClellan. Mm-hmm. Uh, they said he's a legitimate NBA guy in terms of his body and his pure yeah, talent. Yeah, if you remember, Heller said he never saw anything like uh, DeAndre Burnett ever. That's true too. They they were talking yeah. about how Burnett, like a six-two guy, can get inside. He can shoot from outside. He's just the guy was just born to score. There's no two ways about it. So, yeah, I think it's going to be an opposite. It's going to be an opposite of what last year's team was, but I think they're still going to keep that defensive intensity that they had to bring every night because they had nobody to put the ball in the basket, as you were talking about. Um, with Angel, with Angel Rodriguez and a, and a more mature Manu Lacan, they're not going to play the pace they played last year either. They 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 slowed the game to a halt last year, and I think right. you're going to see them push the ball a lot more. Um, I agree. Do you think Do you think Manu is going to be? Um, coming off the bench this upcoming season? I, I do. Yeah. Because, uh, he, he, I mean, by the end of the year, he looked like one of the better point guards in the ACC. I mean, maybe not on the level of, like, UNC's Marcus Page or, you know, well, not even quite as good as Duke or guys like that. Or definitely not as good as, as Tyler Ennis at Syracuse that or anybody is. like that. But maybe, like, top six in the ACC in point guards. He, he was playing with great pace. The light went on defensively for him to where at the beginning of the year he was a complete liability defensively. He's actually pretty good defensively by the end of the year. But Angel Rodriguez, I mean, you said it already yourself, Daniel. This is a guy that, I mean, he was second team, all Big 12, pretty good conference, basketball conference, and he was second team. You know, he's already been honored for what he's accomplished in college. Uh, now, I asked Laranaga on, on one of the – um, teleconferences last year about those two guys going at each other in practice, and he said that they've already started experimenting last year with putting them on the court together. But I think Rodriguez starts and Lacan comes off the bench to answer your original question. Okay. So uh, there's there's a lot of exciting possibilities um, with this team. I, I, I really think they're an NCAA tournament caliber team. And if Laranaga maxes them out the way he maxed out last year's team, they might be a top two or three team in the ACC, possibly. I mean, it's hard to say that they're going to be better than Duke and UNC and Virginia's returning everybody, and they're the defending champs, minus Joe Harris. But yeah, I think I think giving Laranaga a, a big, you know, a whole roster full of pieces he can interchange and mix and match is is really lethal for a coach like him because he always finds. You know, there's never there's some games where you just don't have an answer. Like last year, they never had an answer for Jabari Parker. You know, I mean, that's nobody had an answer for him. But if there's an answer to be found, and you give Laranaga the pieces, I'm I'm pretty confident that he could find them. I agree. All right, so th- this has been fun. I mean, obviously this team is going to be pretty good. We're we're only in uh, July and we're already talking about them. I think last year at this point, the only thing we were talking about was Shane Larkin going to the NBA. So I, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. We both called that the team was going to be. We thought it was going to be a rough year uh, last year. You know, we're, we're homers, obviously, but we're also pretty realist. And I, I just think that they they overachieved last year, which was. I, I, I picked them, to, lose them by to go. 20. Yeah, I picked them to go eighteen and thirteen last year before DeAndre Burnett got hurt. Once yeah. DeAndre Burnett got hurt, I. I Probably if you put, you know, nobody really asked me, but I didn't write like a second preview article after he got hurt. But I probably would have said 13 and 18. Yeah, uh, I, I think they, I, I think they overachieved last year, and and the team never quit. They played as hard as they possibly could. They really found something with that zone defense. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they go back to zone much, if at all, um, next year with with the type of players they have. I I, I assume they're going to go back to man, but they might play a little bit of each. Um, but, yeah, just totally psyched for this year in basketball. But since you mentioned it, uh, you mentioned Shane Larkin, and, you know, obviously the biggest news with him right now is being traded to the Knicks, and obviously he's going to be participating in a summer league, and his season last year kind of started off kind of slow because of the injury and stuff like that. But, I mean, he and he played sparingly behind um, the likes of Calderon and um, Monte Ellis and um, Devin Harris as well. But, um, you know, hopefully this year, you know, in a new team and everything, although Calderon was traded to um, to Knicks as well, 
maybe he'll get some more playing time and he can actually prove himself at the next level. And speaking about it's, summer it's league, interesting. Crazy. it's interesting. The New York Knicks blog on SB Nation is called Posting and Toasting. And uh, I, I talked to their their manager. I, I, I can't remember the gentleman's first name off the top of my head. I emailed back and forth with him when Larkin got traded to New York. And uh, he asked for a scouting report on Larkin. And, you know, basically my take on Larkin is he just needs an opportunity. If he gets playing time, I have no doubt that he's an NBA player. Um, the guy I compared him to was um, uh, the guy in the Spurs, the backup point guard, uh, Patty oh. Mills. No, yeah. not, not Parker. Although there, he does have some similarities to Parker, too. I don't know if he'll ever reach that, that level of being like an all-star Hall of Fame type player. But he reminds me of, a, and I'll, I'll say this, a more athletic Patty Mills is what I expect out of Larkin. Same size, same shooting ability, same handles, but maybe a better passer and, and definitely a much better athlete. I mean, Larkin ran, you know, your, your top lottery guys don't usually go to the NBA Combine, so, so take this with a grain of salt. But he ran the fastest three-quarter court uh, timed uh, sprint that they've ever recorded at the NBA Combine. So, yeah, he's the fastest player I've ever seen player I've ever seen live in a in a college. I mean it was it was it, it's funny uh, like, you say I, that I, though, Josh, because you know who beat him in a foot race. Yeah uh, Swoop. at U M. Eric Swoop. Yeah, Swoop beat him in a foot race. So if you tell me that Larkin's the fastest player you've ever seen, you didn't go to enough games where Swoop played. Well, yeah, but you know, <laughs> you, you know, yeah, Swoop didn't play that much. Uh, but in terms of being able to being able to explode on the basketball court, I've never seen I didn't see Swoop do the defensive have the offense, the defensive plays that Larkin had in terms of stealing the ball. Remember the the play where he dove vertically, you know, horizontally out of bounds, and he saved the ball. I've never seen Swoop do that. I, I do remember. I believe that was I believe that was at NC State. The player talking yeah. about it, and he almost won Somebody the game pulled, with that play. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no question about it. I mean, yeah. Well, like I said, there's no question about it. Shane Larkin is definitely, you know, one of the most athletic point guards that, you know, that are around at at, at the in the moment. I mean, at, obviously it's trending that way, you know, with Russell Westbrook and those kind of point guards. But when you think about it, um, he he's. I mean, I, I got the chance to sit courtside a few games and you know just seeing him. Like, what really separates him? Obviously, he's athletic and he, he has great genes. Um, but I mean, he's just a hustler. I mean, this guy, he plays with passion. And he's there's smart, a lot too. of players. Yeah, and, and you, although, you, oh, you're talking about passion. Like, who doesn't play with passion? But you'd be surprised. There's a lot of players that they play hard, but they don't play with that, like, that it factor. And Shane Larkin, he has that it factor. Like, he has what it takes. And I'm really, I can't, like you said, I can't wait to see him actually get some PT at the next level. And let's see if it happens. Hopefully it happens in New York. We'll see. Yeah, a funny story about Larkin. Um, I, 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 I probably gave one of his first. I probably was one of the first, uh, at least down here, to interview him. Ironically, in one of the uh, when he was a freshman, and when I, I did it on, with a camcorder, and I remember um, uh, Amy saying, "This will be good practice for you," as if she figured that he was going to end up being in the NBA. It's kind of kind of funny, you know, like that he was going to have these moments where he's going to be on camera a lot. And I just remember that being kind of like a weird thing to say. I didn't, you know, know what to expect from Shane Larkin at the time because it was right at the beginning. I think it might have played like one game. So yeah, I just thought that was kind of yeah, Larkin, you know, Larkin, you watch his high school highlights, and amazing, it's amazing that he was rated as a quote-unquote three-star prospect and he ended up at DePaul before Miami. You know, like Coach Allen guy and staff were like on him from the get-go. Uh, they've been recruiting him for four years to try and get him, you know, to go to George Mason before Miami. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just amazing when you look at how talented he is that, you know, especially physically that he he wasn't rated higher coming out of high school. That, that's that's one of the most incredible things to me that I think the size. Is what, I think the size is uh, what it comes down to with him. I don't know actually what he uh, what is he listed at five ten five eleven. Yeah, yeah he's like 5'10". I mean, yeah. he's basically he's basically my height, and I'm I'm like scratching five ten. Yeah. So I mean, like when I was standing across from him, we were pretty much eye to eye. So, uh, you know. Let me put let me put you guys on the spot. What do you think Larkin's going to do this year? Let's let's just assume that there's no more trades, and he's he's the he's the man in New York. Him and Calderon split time. What what can we expect from Larkin this year, Josh? I'll start with you. Uh. I don't know, maybe like eight points and 
I mean, depending on how many how much minute, how many minutes he plays, eight points and four assists, maybe you know, backup role. I I think that would be pretty good. Maybe a steal in there. Well, the way I look at it is, it really comes down to Carmelo Anthony. If um if Carmelo decides to move on, you know, because right now it's you know according to ESPN, um, it's between the Lakers and New York. If he does choose to leave New York, then obviously I'm thinking New York's going to go into more like uh, younger approach play the young players a little more, see what you have, you know, on the roster, and then maybe even get a top pick or a lottery pick next year. But, I mean, if Carmelo comes back, you know, he's obviously not going to be okay with losing and trying to be a lottery team. So I'm guessing, you know, if if Carmelo comes back, he's going to be obviously a backup to Calderon, and, you know, he'll have to prove himself. I'm sure he'll get the the opportunity. I would say um, anywhere from, like, 10 to 15 minutes, but if, he, like I said, if Carmelo doesn't come back, then I think he'll have a bigger role and he'll have a more of a chance to prove himself and you know show the coaches and show the NBA what, what he's really made of. Yeah, I like Carmelo. I yeah, I, I think it doesn't matter. I think Larkin's a double-figure scorer anyway this coming year because I think well, you look at the way that team is run. Uh, first of all, if Carmelo Anthony leaves, they're going to need scoring from wherever they can get it. Uh, but if Carmelo Anthony stays, you look at that team – you know, the past couple of years, and, and, you know, they had a lot of defensive liabilities and a lot of problems, and especially with Tyson Chandler leaving, they're going to have more defensive liabilities. They're going to try and push the ball, I think, and I think a guy like Larkin, uh, you mm-hmm. know, they're they're going to be given free run to shoot the ball. The, their new head coach is a former point guard, and Derek Fisher. I think everything points to Larkin being a double-figure scorer. And I'll say this, and, again, I have kind of a homer bias. I'm a big Shane Larkin fan. I think the guy leads the NBA in steals if he plays 20 minutes or more. He just he's, he's remarkable at 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 getting the ball, at, at the way he plays on the ball. Pressure is perfect for the NBA. He just needs the opportunity to play 20, 30 minutes a game. And I think it's it's not leading the NBA in steals. He's top 10 definitely. So I I just hope he gets an opportunity to get regular playing time, whether in yeah, the starting role but- or back end. But if it's Calderon taking you know, 30 minutes a game and he's getting like 10 to 15 somehow, you know, I, I'd say the numbers won't be as high. But yeah, I agree with you, Jay, and I agree with both of you. If he gets a chance, I think he's gonna he's gonna be an effective player. Well, Daniel you know? hit the nail on that head. If Carmelo comes back, you probably see more Calderon because they're gonna try they're gonna try and play a veteran type team to try and yeah. you know not just uh, 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 you know mail it in in the season. But if if Carmelo leaves, they may go with that young approach and. And you may see Larkin getting major minutes. I don't see the point in playing Calderon and not figuring out what you have in Larkin if you're not in contention. That, that, that's just pointless to me. So, yeah, one of those guys is upside. One of those guys is is what he is. You know, Calderon's a, a good player, right? But you know, Larkin has a chance. He's maybe been to a be... good player. He's been a good player, but if I'm not mistaken, he's on the wrong side of 30. I know he played some internationally. I, I, I know he had about seven or eight years in Toronto, so he's got to be on the wrong side of 30 at this point. Good shooter, but never been an explosive athlete. He's 32. Oh, yeah, he, okay, so he's 32. So you're the Knicks. You're going to play, if, especially if Carmelo leaves, you're going to play a 32-year-old point guard that, like you said, you already know what you have, or you're going to play Shane Larkin that could be a diamond in the rough. He, he, uh, in, in defense of Calderon, he, he led the league in three-point percentage two years ago and was 45% last year, which is pretty solid. Yeah, I mean, uh, all right, so so Calderon, at this stage of his career, in my opinion, is not a front-line point guard anymore. He, he's, he's a good surround your LeBron James, surround your Carmelo Anthony, surround your you know Dwight Howard, if you have one of those Novitsky. players, and give yeah. him open look. Steve Kerr, yeah, I, mean, I think I would, I would take Calderon in Miami in the heartbeat. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, Miami, Miami would probably take Calderon too, but Miami has other things to worry about right now. <laughs> yeah, without a doubt. <laughs> the perfect transition, guys, because I was going to talk recruiting next, but we're going to leave recruiting for last. Let, let's talk NBA free agency. Uh, all right. Right um, now. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, it's all right. Right now, the city of Miami is in flux. I mean, Chris Bosh allegedly wants a max deal, so his, his return is a serious question mark. I think they'd all come back if LeBron comes back. But LeBron, LeBron's agent has talked to Phoenix. LeBron's agent's talked to Cleveland. Uh, Josh, uh, before we came on the air, you told me that uh, Dan Gilbert had written a letter to LeBron, sort of a, an apology, if you will. 
Yeah. So, so what's going on here, guys? How much of this is smoke screens? How much of this is legit? Uh, Daniel, you what, do you with, what do you think is going to happen? Um, basically, okay. Well, I think it's going to happen. I, I'm, I think the big three are going to return. They're going to add somebody. I mean, although there's no one knows exactly how much they have, how much money they have to spend. Um, as a Heat fan, I'm hoping you, you know either Paul Gasol or Luau Deng, which both like um, I was going to say the the Heat president Pat Riley and Eric Spolster, the head coach, they've been in contact with them. They've had meetings with both of them. Um, although you know it's there's a lot of speculation out there how much money they have to spend for both of those players. But I think it's it's a big it's a huge smokescreen regarding um, LeBron's agent meeting with all those other teams. This is the first time Rich Paul is representing um, LeBron during contract talks, um, especially like um, when it comes to like uh, max deal. Everybody's saying LeBron wants max deal, and as an agent, he gets he's going to get millions of dollars off that max deal. And Dan Labertard, he wrote a, a great article regarding this for the Miami Herald. And it's basically, he's just reaffirming the facts. You know what I mean? Chris Bosh, he went a month ago, two months ago, he went on 790 ticket and said that um, he's returning to Miami. He thinks that the, he, the big three are all going to return to Miami next season. Um, Mickey Harrison, the, the owner of the, the franchise, said on 790 ticket as well that he thinks that 100% that the big three are going to come back and everything's going to be okay. I think it's a big smoke screen. ESPN is a big hype machine. I mean, during the final, Stephen A. Smith said Carmelo Anthony was going to play with LeBron. Watch out for that. And the last couple of weeks, what have you heard? Nothing regarding the Heat and Carmelo Anthony at all. I mean, it's it's a big hype machine. That's really what it's coming down to. They need something to talk about. Obviously, as a fan, it's exciting. You know, Miami has one player signed, Norris Cole, and now she bat, she bat me up here. Um, but, you know, to be honest with you, I think it's a big hype, and um, hopefully everything's going to work out. I'm pretty sure it will. What would be the reason to that like Riley looks like he's panicking and and like you know that everybody's panicking? What I mean, there's no benefit. Wouldn't it, wouldn't the benefit to the organization to try to get the situation settled as soon as possible? I, well, I, I realize that, know, but to be I don't know what you, you look. You 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 can't say the Heat are panicking because they haven't released a statement at all. Like there's been no statements, and um, obviously Chris the Chris. Stars of the world. They're I mean, trying to get Lou Aldang to play for loose change is kind of like a sign of panic. I mean, the guy's a you know solid player. They're trying to give him like a six million dollar. I mean, who are they going to find that's that's going to be able to put them over the top again? That's going to take. <clears throat> well, know, to be know. honest with you, they don't look. Obviously, coming into this free agency period, a Heat fan was you know you, you have your eyes set on the big fish. I mean, at one point. You know, we, they, we everybody thought we we're going to get Kyle Lowry and you know even Carmelo. But to be honest with you, we've been we've been the four straight finals, and the East, all, you know, I mean Indiana, unless they can pull off some miracle trade and get Rajon, Rajon Rondo there, I don't. I mean, getting back to the champion, getting back to the finals, it's not going to be too difficult. Obviously, if we play the Spurs, it'll be hard. But if we played OKC in these last finals, I don't think the results the same at all. Like I think mine. Probably wins yeah, but it's, it's not really well. it's not really the key. It's LeBron James because without him, that team barely makes the playoffs. If it does well, at yeah, all, LeBron, LeBron James can go anywhere. LeBron James probably goes to if he goes back to Cleveland. I would say that they had a better chance of winning the title next year than if the big three go back to Miami because Dwayne Wade is not a big three anymore. I, I I mean the guy played great for a number of years, but he's his body is almost done. I. You know, Bosch hasn't played like he used to. They play a different style of offense, it seems, than he was used to. I guess he has to stay out of the lane. He shoots threes all the time now. I mean, he turned into a different player. I don't – I mean, do you disagree? If he goes to Cleveland, you don't think he'd have a better a better chance of winning next year? Um, well, I mean, regardless what team he goes to, I mean, I think he, if he stays in Miami, he has a better chance of winning the championship than – with Cleveland, I mean, it's not going to be hard to get to the, get to the East. Like even without LeBron, the Heat could, they'll easily make the playoffs. Even without LeBron, if they had the same team from last year, they will make the playoffs easily. Um, I mean, look at the teams that made the playoffs, like the Atlanta Hawks. They're the eighth seed, and they took the no, they were in the seventh seed. No, yeah, the eighth seed, and they took the Indiana Pacers to seven. I mean, yeah, Indiana uh, Pacers were imploding though. I mean. Well, I mean, yeah, but if you watch those basketball games, Atlanta, like they that's really bad basketball and. They've made the playoffs. They had, a, I think, the record was below 500. I mean, and they made the playoffs. So, I mean, even without LeBron, you know, Chris Bosh would have a bigger role, obviously, if LeBron wasn't on the team. And 
you know, he, he, his Toronto teams, they they made the playoffs. They didn't get anything, getting past first round, I don't believe, but he made the playoffs, you know, a few times. So, I mean, it's obviously your opinion, but I, I think everything is going to be, you know, just fine. You know, it's, it'll be all right. That's all I have to say. I think uh, everybody needs to be calm down. I'm somewhere between the two of you in terms of uh, my my opinion on the situation. I think there's legitimate reason for concern if you're a Miami Heat fan. Um, you know, four years ago when these guys came together, it happened really fast. Uh, the decision was a mistake, obviously, for PR reasons. But the fact that it's kind of drawing out longer and, and, and there's a lot of smoke around the situation is reason for concern if you're a Heat fan. Now, that being said, I think the Heat are the favorites – because, you know, he's already been there. He already knows, you know, uh, uh, what he's coming back to if he comes back to Miami. Um, but I, I, I'm with Josh on this, though. I think that uh, Dwayne Wade's knees and Dwayne Wade's, you know, play and in, in, in the playoffs in particular is, is very disconcerting. LeBron James played 40 minutes a game throughout the season, and especially in the playoffs, he played even more than that at times. Dwayne Wade missed 20 games. If I'm LeBron James, I'm saying, why am I – you know, busting my butt and letting Dwayne Wade rest to have an ineffective Dwayne Wade in the playoffs. That, that's a concern. If, if you rest Dwayne Wade for 20 games during the regular season and he's the Dwayne Wade of old in the postseason, it's worth it. But LeBron's got to play all those minutes in the regular season and all those minutes in the postseason, and you have an ineffective Dwayne Wade, that's cause for concern. Um, but at the end of the day, now, it comes down to Pat Riley. And what has Pat Riley done? Nothing but deliver, really. I mean, he, in 2006, brought, well, 2005 or four, he brought Shaq down. We won a championship in 2006. Um, 2010, he got the big three together, even though people said that was never going to happen. I mean, there was a few people, two analysts, Dan Levitar will be one of them, who said that you know they were going to come, they were going to join forces. But I mean, just expect him to do the unexpected. And this guy, at the end of the day, um, no matter where LeBron goes, look, if you if think if you if you're LeBron, do you really want to go into the the West Coast? I mean, you have all those teams to go through. I mean. There's plenty of teams. Phoenix didn't make the playoffs in the West Coast. They would make. They would the, make the, the one team. Thing, though, the one playoffs. thing, Daniel, that Phoenix offers. Phoenix offers. They're they're in such good shape because their roster is so young that they have the ability to sign two max contracts. So they can give LeBron a max contract. If there's one place that the one and only place that LeBron and Carmelo could probably play together, it would be Phoenix because that's the one. Now I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I heard Carmelo's really down I've, to the Lakers in New York. I realize that, but you would still have to play all those teams, you know, in Western Conference. I mean, we're, we're yeah, but you go, and you go back to, to the Cleveland. Finals every year. You go back to Cleveland and have, like, you know, five lottery picks running around them that all probably idolize them because they grew up watching them and, and have these guys that, that. Take, the, take the minutes that the older Heat players, you know, like, like Dwayne Wade, you know, you have, like, three guards that could fill in. And, you know, the way that the Spurs ran circles around, around Dwayne Wade, defensively at this point, he's like a, a real liability. And, again, I say this with respect. The guy was awesome for a long time, like incredible. But he's he's not anymore. He's not a big three. He's just like a an aging shooting guard. And and right, I, I think but, that, if you know, as LeBron gets older, you know, having a whole bunch of, like, 20-somethings running around with a lot of athletic ability, he'll be able to save, you know, add years to his career instead of playing 40 minutes a night. And I just look at that Cavs roster, and I'm like, okay, so they have Wiggins, they have Irving, they have Thompson, and Bennett might not, you know, maybe he has, maybe they, he turns into a better player than the, the bust he was last year. I mean, they have a lot of guys on that team that, you know, for a guy like LeBron, he could make all those guys way better than they are. I mean, obviously Wade's not 100%, but, I mean, Kyrie Irving's had injury problems. I think every year since he's been NBA, even in college, he's had you know, uh, an extended time period where you wasn't able to play because of injury. But also, I mean, it, year, I mean yeah. look, the simple thing is the way I look at it, it comes down, like I said before, it comes down to Pat Riley because, I mean, obviously Pat Riley, he's proven to LeBron that he can get in the four straight finals. What has Cleveland proven to him that if, if you're going to leave us in free agency, we're going to write a letter to our fans that call you a bunch of names and just make the whole organization look like a child. It's run by a childish little guy. I mean, come on. That's what it comes down to. I mean, uh, obviously coming home would be a good thing for him, but I mean, I think I think he's found a home, and that's Miami. That's just my opinion. Well, yeah, I but mean, that, we'll, that's where Miami we'll has an advantage too. It's, it's a great place to live. Uh, no sales tax on your 
salary helps things financially. Uh, you know, I, there, there, there are definitely advantages to Miami. Uh, one thing I, I believe I read, I can't remember where, that LeBron's son is, you know, on the fringe of being a, a high school player, and LeBron wants to see his son play at, uh, at his old high school. So there's another mm. factor to think about. Who knows how true that is? I, I'm just saying, you know, there, there, there are, there's a lot of um, – I mean, we're all I think, basically. I think Cleveland's the only place he can go if he doesn't stay in Miami. I really think that's the only option for him. I don't think he wants to look like a complete carpetbagger again. And I think that that's. I think that those are his only two options, in my opinion. I think it's either he's going to stay with the Heat or he's going to return to Cleveland and undo the decision. I think. And then you remember, Jay? I said this like a long time ago about the Cleveland thing. We talked about it. I, like, brought it up, like, before even they were saying it on there. I was like, I bet she goes back to Cleveland. And, and I, I, you know, I don't know if he will. You might be right. Daniel, he might stay. But I think those are really the only two choices he has in um, the WWF environment that is the NBA. If you have to choose, what do you think he's going to What was that, Daniel? If you, if you guys have to choose, I think he's staying in Miami. What do you guys think he's staying going. I, I think it's 50-50, I'll be honest with you. I think I, I agree with Josh. I think it's either Cleveland or Miami. I'd say it's 51-49 Miami. I, I just think there's something about and everybody's saying the same thing with Carmelo. Carmelo is like 51% Knicks, 49% Lakers. I, I think there's something to be said about the incumbent team. Um, you know, returning to a situation you're already familiar with, where you live, your home that you already live in, the city that you're used to, uh, you know, you look back four years ago, the decision was done, but there were a lot more extreme circumstances. He didn't believe that he could ever win with Cleveland at the time. He didn't have good enough players around him. I think that he probably thinks that he can win again with Miami, but there's some concern there. I think he's probably intrigued by the young roster at Cleveland. Supposedly there was a good um, um, chemistry between him and Kyrie Irving as well. Um, as, as players well, and as people, they seem to get along well too. So there's there, there, there's something to all this. It's not all smoke, I don't think. I'm not saying well, he's going to leave Miami, but there's a lot of factors that lead me to believe that there's serious consideration going on. And to add to that point, to like go if I was basing an argument or somewhat towards you, I understand that there's a lot of younger players and have much more upside when it comes to the Miami roster, right? But there have been rumors that LeBron's looking for a one- to two-year deal or a one-year option, one, two-year option, and then he could make his choice again. Being Right now he's 29. He's going to turn 30 on this December 30th, 31st, or not 31st, uh, one of those two. But So next season he'll be 30. Um, if he takes a two-year deal with Miami, then after those, those two years, those players in Cleveland, they're going to be much better, and then he can choose to go there, you know? So I think he might stick with Miami just to see what, what else we have left in the tank, and then if maybe Pat Riley can get some younger players around him. Um, and, you know, in two years, have some good young talent. Maybe Shabazz Napier becomes a really good point guard. Then maybe he'll stay in Miami for longer. But to be honest with you, I think he's going to sign a short-term deal. And then maybe in a few years, he'll really, really consider Cleveland at that point. But we'll see. Yeah, that's a possibility. That's a fair point. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Maybe um, he's not ready to do anything drastic yet, whether it be to leave Miami, you know, altogether or to go to Cleveland or to stay in Miami for the rest of his career. So a short-term deal is definitely a possibility. Uh, you know, that, that's that's option three. Option one, leave. Option two, stay forever. Option three, you know, kind of put off the bigger decision. So pretty interesting stuff. Uh, let me ask you guys, beyond LeBron James and Kamala Anthony, are there any other free agents? I, I guess we've kind of touched upon Chris Bosh and what he's looking to do. I mean, how, how good is this class? Or can can other teams that are under the radar, like the Chicago Bulls, maybe put, put something together and and make themselves well, more of a contender? Chicago, if they get, well, I mean, according to all these networks, they're saying Carmelo's down the Lakers and um, Knicks. But if they get, imagine if they could get Carmelo on a cheap, which is what basically offering. Supposedly, there's some numbers being floated around 15 million a year, which is a, a bargain for him. Say, but um, if they get Camelo, they're deadly. Let's just say that I would be I'll be extremely threatened <laughs> as a Heat fan. But as you know, I don't see that happening. And then they're going they're going after Paul Gasol, Chicago, and I mean Paul is a great player. So I mean, if they, if they can get him, they'll obviously add some depth 
and they're probably going to amnesty Boozer, which is, you know, that's probably um, addition by subtraction. So we'll see about that. Yeah, you know, this all, I, I think this all is a good piece for a team that already has everything they need in place to just kind of add one more. I, I'm not I mean, convinced that this all is going to be a player he is, though. It gets hurt a lot now, too. Yes, it yeah. comes up. Well, it comes up. It comes to Derrick Rose, really. I mean, if he if he's able to finally come back after these injuries, and then you know, be the Derrick Rose he used to be, or something close to it, then you know, the Chicago it's gonna be a good team because you know they play defense. Too, you know, they they're yeah, gonna lock no, it down. And Noah turns so. into like a star, so they yeah, got him. Exactly. Yep. All right, guys. So that's pretty interesting. Um, I did wanna, I didn't wanna spend the entire. Uh, podcast discussing NBA free agency, but it is uh, very pertinent to uh, being on the current sports world. Uh, Daniel, I want to get to you for a second on on a topic that you kind of cover for us um, um, more often than anything else, um, recruiting. Um, Miami's been on a roll for both the class of 2015 and 16. They picked up two wide receivers uh, for the class of 2015, I believe, uh, on, on the 4th of July. They picked up a couple of linebackers the week before. Um, they picked up the big, big arm 2016 quarterback from Palmetto. Uh, uh, what's been going on? Give us a little, give us a little update summary. All right. Well, obviously, um, recruiting is it's on fire right now. The coach is doing a great job. They're outworking everybody. It, was, it seems like for the 2016 class. I mean, the 2016 class is filled with right now. Obviously, it's not that you know, it's not the depth isn't there, but. They have like six, seven commits, and maybe a little less than that. I'm not quite certain at this point. But um, most are commits, except one. Oh, they're all four or five stars when the rankings coming out because they're just great. And um, this week, Tuesday, I believe, they might pick up a commitment from Sam Bruce, a receiver who is he's probably he's one of the most elite receivers I've ever seen in person. But I mean, this guy he, he can he can jump for days. This guy is super athletic and. He'll make a huge impact at the next level. But let's talk about the commitment that we do have, and that's Deontay Mullen. This guy, he's, he's, he's really good. He has offers from Alabama, Auburn, Florida, Florida State. This guy has offers from everybody, okay? And getting commitment from him at this point, you know, it's a big boost. And then we also got that commitment from Allison, the quarterback, for 2016, who is going to hopefully be one of the leaders in that class and just – you know, make that class one of the top in the nation. And if if we continue going the way we are right now for 2016, this class will be very, very good. A, a guy that uh, uh, that we kind of skipped over was, uh, you know, ranked as a, a three-star recruit, but I think uh, watching his film, he looks like a four or even a five-star guy to me, Terrell Chapman, who's a mm-hmm. 6'3", 195-pound receiver out of Louisiana that Miami picked up a commitment from for 2015 on, on the 4th of July. Um, Daniel, what have you seen at Chapman? Because I, I, I watched his tapes, and I'm I'm blown away. He looks like a superstar in the waiting to me. I can't believe he's only a three-star guy. Um, well, with three-star guys from out of state, I'm always kind of worried because, obviously, he doesn't have the offer from the great schools at this point. Like, LSU hasn't offered him. So let's see how the senior season goes, and if LSU offers him, and if the SEC team does offer him, see how he starts to go from that point. Um, yeah, he's he's tall, he's athletic, he's gonna, you know, he's a great receiver, but at the high school level at least. But do one thing, Miami hasn't found that that tall, linky, athletic guy as receiver since Tommy Trio left. So. Let's see what the coaches can do. I mean, they they brought in a few players, but they haven't panned out. So I don't know. You know, we'll see what happens. But let's see if we can hold on to this commitment at this point. What are the biggest needs right now for both 2015 and 2016? What what positions do you think Miami still needs to to, to go after to fill out the roster? Well, like always. Defensive tackle, defensive line. I mean, that's been a weakness for us for years now. I mean, we need to get some quality depth there. I mean, next year is going to be looking a little better. We got Chad Thomas coming in, and um, we also got a Duke coming in. So, I mean, look from their best standpoint, defense, you know, we're doing okay, but we obviously need to add some more if we actually want to start feeling and getting some pressure for the quarterback. Um, to that point, I mean, we also have. 
a few. We had a lot of offensive linemen last year. We're getting some more in 2015 class, but you know, come skill position players, we're going to be needing to replace a few of those. Because um, you know, Johnson after the season, I don't think he's coming back unless he's injured. You know, if he gets hurt again, he'll probably come back for a senior year. He has a, a great year, which I hope he does, and that, which a lot of people expect. He is probably going to um, go to the NFL. But um, like I said, defensive line is a big factor, and we just got to get more depth on the defensive side of the ball. And obviously, you know, offense has been good the last couple of years, but we have to continue recruiting the skill positions and obviously obviously the offensive line, see how they do coming year. And then if they do okay, maybe we'll have to focus on it. Well, I'm going to go on record now, and I'm going to say no matter what happens this year, whether he gets hurt or not, I think Duke Johnson is going to the NFL. Um, there was a, a very nice story out about some of the, you know, problems that him and his mom overcame in terms of finances, you know, earlier in his life. Um, so, you know, they were living out of a car for a little while. His mother is a corrections officer, and she worked very hard to get their situation straightened out. Um, but, I mean, he, I mean, you, you look at somebody that is having those type of difficulties in their life, the first opportunity they get, and rightfully so, they're probably going to leave. Um, so... I, I think Duke Johnson's got no matter what. Um, now, the running back situation for 2015 is crazy. Um, uh, the, the Scarlet kid, I think it's uh, – what's his first name again, Daniel? Jordan Scarlet. Yeah, didn't he He, de- he decommitted um, from – I forget which school he committed. Yeah. FAU. He, he decommitted yeah, from FAU, which was a shock that, you know, a kid with that much talent was even committed to FAU in the first place, but there were some, you know, some close times there. And I think he ends up at Miami. I think Miami really has to go hard after the running back position because they'll still have Gus Edwards. Uh, you got Joe Yearby coming in, but they're, Duke Johnson's gone. I, I hate to say it, and maybe maybe he'll make a fool of me um, and, and just, you know, end up coming back for a senior season, but I think he's gone. Hey, let me bring you in for a second, Josh. Me and you have talked about this ad nauseum. If you're a running back and you have a potential to get drafted, you got to go, right? Because these guys just get hurt too often. Oh, definitely. I, I think in football, especially compared to any other sport, if you have money guaranteed, you have to take it. Yeah, and I think I think that you know, and you saw what Duke went through last year. He had a concussion. You know, he got nicked up several times, and you know, he ended up breaking his ankle against FSU. Uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't blame him. I, I think he's got to go. If if he's in a position to be drafted third round or higher, he's definitely got to go. And I think he will well, be. At the, well, at the moment, for the 2015 class, at running back, we have Mark Walton. We have um, right? Ron Cronkite. And then we also have um, Dexter Williams. If we do get um, Jordan Scarlett, um, you know, at least four great running backs, obviously, four stars and up, you know. But uh, it would be difficult to even hold on to Dexter Williams, but we can also use him in the slot. You can use them in different ways. We'll see what happens. I mean, Florida's on the, the knocking at the, um, his front door right now. <laughs> but, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, it will be great to have all that talent at running back or just in skill position. But, we'll, you know, it's, it's so early on in the process. Even You know, that's the way I look at it. So we'll see what happens regarding that. But uh, Jordan Scarlett is close to St. Bruce, and they're all close to uh, Mullins as well. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I mean, I don't expect Miami's going to get all four of those guys, but it, they, they need to get at least two of them, I think. And then there's Trevon Gray, right? Trevon Gray hasn't been cleared yet. To, he, he's actually part of the class of 2014, and he could potentially be either a running back or a wide receiver. So, I mean, I, hopefully they can get him on campus, and if they can, um, then they will fill, you know, multiple needs. So, Yeah, I mean, he... At the moment, Gray wants to be on campus. Um, I think end of summer, you know, summer term or something, something, something like that. I'm not 100 percent certain on that, but he needs to take. A, he has. He's missing one core class, and if he if he's able to do that and pass, get past Cleveland House, then you know he'll be on the roster. I mean, this guy is he's athletically gifted. This guy can do anything on the field for you, basically. I mean, he, he even if he doesn't know the playbook, he hasn't he hasn't even studied the playbook yet. So they haven't even given it to him yet, which. You know, that means that kind of shows you, you know, whether, like, if he's actually going to be there or not. Like, they haven't given him the playbook. I know Brad Kaya had his playbook before. I mean, obviously, they knew he was coming in, but they're not they're not 100% on uh, 
on gray at the moment. So we'll see if he comes in. He reminds me of, um, I don't know, like many athletic receivers we've had in the past. Who just give, you give him the ball or give him a punt return, he'll he'll make something happen for you. Yeah. So hopefully they can get him uh, on campus. But like you said, if it's just one core class, uh, it shouldn't be, uh, you know, it should be that big of a hurdle. So, all right, so now it's time, Josh, for you to put a big needle uh, in the bubble and tell us how all this recruiting stuff doesn't matter till signing day. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter till signing day. <laughs> and Thank to you. add to that, like, the – I've been doing this for a few years now, and it, it really doesn't matter to signing day. Let's just say that because I mean, there's there's a lot of players that you think are going to be Miami Hurricanes come signing day. For example, Sony Michelle, who never panned out to be a Hurricane in vote. Everybody said he was going to be Kane Lock for years. I mean, literally for years they said he was going to be Kane Lock. It came his senior senior year came up, and he committed to Georgia, and that's how it is. I mean. You just obviously it's it's awesome. You want to get hyped for these players because you're so excited. You have so much passion for the Canes. But at the end of the day, it really does not matter until National Signing Day. Yeah, and and Trevante Valentine is probably the one that aggravates more Miami fans than anybody. You know, he's a defensive tackle, and that's the biggest area of need. And you know, he seems well, to commit to three different schools over the course of their process. Yeah, like I said. He was he was sketchy from the get go. I mean, he committed to Florida and Louisville before prior to committing to us. And the one that really got to me was Keith Bryant, <laughs> to be from the tackle with the Florida State. That's the one who got to me. But you know, at the end of the day, it's they're all kids. You know, they're they're high schoolers, they're teenagers. You know, sometimes they don't have the right guidance. And you know, I mean, maybe Florida State was a better choice for him. You know, I mean, obviously one we we want all the great players to come to Miami. But you know, at the end of the day, that it's their lives. You know, <laughs> so. Yeah, it's not realistic. You're never going to get, you know, every good player. Right? Even you're never going to get every good player from, you know, the 305. You're going to get guys that want to go away. You know, I, I grew up in Jersey, and I was dying to get out of Jersey. Um, you know, I wasn't a big-time football recruiter or anything like that, but I didn't want to go to Rutgers because, you know, that was like five minutes from my house. I wanted to go someplace else. So, I mean, exactly. you're always going to have that mentality of guys that, that want to get away. So... Yeah, but it's nice to have those kids um, that want to stay home and, you know, rep their city. So let's hope that continues. Huh? Yeah. yeah, I did the player profile on Duke Johnson, and I said that one of the things that makes him such a beloved uh, figure beyond, you know, his uh, abilities is the fact that he's homegrown. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a guy that Miami fans heard about for a long time. They got to see play in high school, um, you know, and, and being homegrown makes him even more beloved. Besides the fact that he's the best player on the team, so <laughs> that doesn't hurt either. So are, are we gonna start chanting Duke for Heisman already, or is that too is that too soon? I, yeah, well, I, I I think I think Duke is a legitimate candidate if a couple things fall into place properly. Uh, first and foremost, the team has to be successful because Duke Johnson can run for two thousand yards if Miami's you know eight and five. Uh, and, and, you know, they're a train wreck at quarterback and the defense doesn't improve and the team's just not, you know, a legitimate contender, I, I think that hurts his cause. I, I think guys that have lesser seasons that are on contending teams, you know, obviously Jameis Winston last year was on the best team and he was the best player. But I, I think, you know, superstar players on lesser teams get, you know, the shaft on that most of the time. So Miami has to play better. And then, of course, as we alluded to earlier, he has to stay healthy. Uh, he, he needs to play in every game. Um, so, I mean, I, but I, I mean, he, he has the abilities to do it, though. All right, and um, I, I don't want to go off topic too much, but I don't know when the next podcast is going to be. So, if you don't mind, if, if we just squeeze in the World Cup very, very quickly, um, who do you guys think is going to win it all? I, I gotta be honest. I'll let Josh answer this, but the moment the USA lost, I tuned out. I, if I had to, if you put a gun to my head, I'd say Brazil. Okay. Yeah, I, I probably would have said Brazil until that guy got his back broken. So, uh, I mean, Neymar. Yeah. Yeah, until Neymar got that was a pretty crazy injury. I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I've kind of got a little more into it. Uh, just go around with the World Cup. Um, I still find it like a little. Anyway, but uh. 
I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I would still probably pick Brazil because they're the home team and they've got like emotion on their side. And soccer seems to be a pretty emotional game. And uh, I think sometimes maybe that that kind of helps out. So maybe they'll win one for the Neymar. Okay. Well, I mean, they're also going to miss Thiago Silva, who's the best defender that they have on the team. Um, well, one of them at least. And due to suspension, because he got two yellows and back-to-back games or something like that. Um, but my pick right now is uh, Germany. I think they're going to beat Brazil. Neymar is you know, one of the best uh, attacking forwards or midfielders or whatever position he's playing at the time in the world. They're going to be missing him due to injury, and Germany, they're just they're just doing whatever they can to win games. I mean, they're rolling right now. The defense is kind of shaky, but with Philip Lahm um, at right back, I think they're going to be a little more solid than they have been throughout the tournament. But on the other side, I think Germany's going to go to the final, and then I'm going to stick in Netherlands beating Argentina because um, Argentina just lost to uh, Demaria. I mean, Demaria, I apologize. I, I totally butchered his name. But um, they lost one of the best strikers. He, he plays for Real Madrid, and he's one, he's a very elite striker, but they lost him. So I think uh, Netherlands is going to be Argentina, and then Germany will beat the Netherlands in the final. Hey, hey, Daniel, I know this is your first podcast, but Josh can back me on this. Um Going off topic on these podcasts is a regular part of what we do. (laughs) Never be afraid afraid to grab the biggest monkey wrench you can find and just, like, throw it right in the middle of the podcast because we do that all the time. And I actually wanted to do something, like, completely non-sports related for the first time ever on the podcast and and ask you guys uh, about beer. Um, I think beer is a fun topic, and I think we should talk about it more often. Um, Josh... (laughs) Favorite beer for taste, favorite beer just to drink? Okay, well, just to drink, uh, I would say, you know, the most watery I could find, it would be like Miller Lite. And for taste, I'm kind of I'm kind of partial to Stella. I'm really, I'm really digging that right now. Uh, Daniel, are you a beer drinker? Well, this is where I come in and just totally destroy your conversation. I don't drink beer, sir. Uh, not at all. I mean, it, I haven't developed a taste for it yet. I mean, obviously, when I play beer pong, I got to... You know, I, I have to just, you know, just do it. <laughs> I have to drink even, but it really does not taste good to me. But, yeah. Um, so did you, know, did you not drink at all on the 4th of July? No, I, I actually didn't, no. <laughs> wow, you're a better man than I am, sir. I I, I, I uh, downed uh, about four Bud Light with limes, because I kind of like them in the summer. Uh, I had steamling. And then I had four shots of Patron, and and the rest wow. was history. <laughs> yeah, I, I led the wave at Bayfront Park. I got like a whole bunch of Brazilian Colombian fans to do the wave after the game. No wonder you guys didn't uh, call me back when I called you on Fourth of July. You guys were drunk. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I was staggering around I, Miami. I was glad you could hear that. Uh, welcome to the U article because I I wouldn't have been able to write. I I couldn't even log on to my computer by the time I got back up. Or was I, 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 mean, I was not seeing straight. Yeah, that just that just shows you how much fun I had on Fourth of July, I suppose, right? <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> are. Fun. You don't have to drink to have fun. I, I I like to talk about beer, though. I think I'm going to incorporate more beer conversations into these podcasts, uh, just for the heck of it. I mean, from what I've heard, German beer is pretty good, and yeah. Yeah, I, German beer is my favorite too. I, I got to say, um, a couple times I've been to um, Beer Garden in Panama City, and uh, it's this great uh, German place. They serve like ridiculous food, and the the waitresses and the bartenders walk around in lederhosen, and they serve you gigantic 32 ounce mugs of like premium German beer. It, 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 I I could live there. It's great. <laughs> yeah, my mom. My mom actually. Um... Like her, she has like a family business and everything. She owns, she owns a uh, German restaurant in, in Central Florida. Oh wow! Oh wow! Yeah. So I'm, I'm like I'm, I don't know if you guys noticed. I'm, I'm like half German, so for me not to drink beer is kind of like a shock. But for most people who know me. <laughs> oh yeah, you, you're completely uh, 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 putting Germany to shame by not drinking beer. I mean, <laughs> you're German. <laughs> Germany and beer is like hand in hand. I mean, in my opinion, anyway. Well, yeah, like and cars and, and, and yeah. beer. Cars, yeah. beer, and soccer. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, I, I think we covered everything I wanted to touch on today. Is there anything you guys want to add before we uh, call it a day? 
No, I'm I'm good, and uh, you know this was fun, and let's do it soon. Let's do it again. Sounds good. Yeah, Daniel, uh, definitely stop by more often. Uh, we usually have the shows on Sundays. I know you you work your your main job on Sundays, but it was good having you. I appreciate uh, uh you know update on recruiting and and everything else. Josh, always as always, great show. Appreciate having you. Um, we're gonna have you on often during basketball season, and I think it's gonna be a a banner season. Uh, Keen fans need to show up at the Buck this year, man. I mean, they they got to pack it. Yeah. Yep. I think. I think I mean, when, when they win, they show up. When they win, they do show up. Let's just say that. Well, they should show up from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> they should. I think it's gonna be good. Like every other school. All right, <laughs> yeah. All right, gentlemen. All right, great guys. show. Thank you guys again for coming on, and and we'll have future episodes. I think next next week I'm going to be on vacation. I don't know if Cam will want to host, but uh, if not, we'll be back in a couple weeks for for the handful of people that actually listen to these. Thank you, guys. <laughs> awesome. All right. Later. Bye.